Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Welcome, everybody, to Cat Talk Radio. Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions. We educate cat guardians with tips and tidbits on what cats need to prevent and stop those unwanted pesky behaviors. You know, behavior problems are one of the main reasons people surrender their cats to shelters, and shelter euthanasia is sadly the leading cause of death in cats in the United States. So our goal is to give you the information you need to keep those behavior problems from happening. And we are honored today to have a very special guest. We are blessed with the cat daddy himself, Jackson Galaxy, host and executive producer of Animal Planet's hit show, My Cat from Hell. Jackson's a fellow animal advocate, cat behavior and wellness consultant, two-time New York best-selling author, and has more than 25 years' experience working with cats and their guardians. Welcome, Jackson. Hello, Molly. A special friend of mine, Tabasco, says to be sure to say hello to you. (laughs) He just likes me because of the treats, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) He likes everybody because of the treats, we all know that. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, there aren't many of us out there advocating for cats around the world, and you've certainly been doing this longer than most of us. Share with everybody what called you into this line of work. Well, the cats did. You know, I I, uh, I was I took a job at an animal shelter about 25 years ago. I was just sort of a struggling musician and needed a day job. And you know, when the, when the I saw the one ad for the Humane Society, I figured, well, that's better than delivering bread any day of the week. So I took <laughs> the job, and and I just expected to be scooping poop and you know doing some adoption counseling. And it was really about two weeks into working there that I noticed that, first of all, all my coworkers were calling me Catboy. And the reason they were calling me Catboy was because every time I would sit down or walk into a room where there were cats, the cats would just sort of gather around me, and which was true. And really, the, the, the thought process at that point was, all right, these guys picked me, and we're killing a lot of them, and we're killing them for reasons that... I thought were preventable if we only knew what we were talking about. So I just sort of dove in and learned everything I could from, you know, the scant amount of books there were at the time. And then I just spent as much time with them as I possibly could. And I mean, one of the blessings about working in a shelter, there are not many, especially back then, but number one, I was surrounded by these guys. So, it, you know, you were able to take theories and, and implement them and get, you know, a yay or a nay from a very large focus group easily, you know. And the other thing, it was just, you know, euthanasia is the mother of invention. I mean, we had to come up with solutions quickly because I would get a cat at 9 a.m. and that cat may be on the red list by 9 a.m. the next day. And there were certain things I had to accomplish. So it, it was high pressure, but you know, pretty much everything that you are aware of with the work I do now, all the sort of techniques I use, all of that was born in the shelter. Yeah, absolutely. And I, with as much time as I spend at Dallas Animal Services, you know, I, I certainly see the same thing. There's a, a high degree of owner surrender for, you know, for reasons that uh, that break my heart because they're so preventable. You know, the, the cat's peeing on things, the cat's destroying furniture, you know, the cat's fighting with one another and they, you know, they can't stand it anymore. And it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely it heartbreaking. And I mean, you Thank- work at, you work at one of the highest volume shelters in the U.S. And uh, I mean, the, the pressure there has got to be uh, put, put my experience to shame, but you know, like you've got that, that big focus group as well. And, 
Yeah, we do. We do. And and short lengths of stay and pressure for good outcomes. Thankfully, we have a, a really good TNR program. You know, we've we've got a, a partner with Spay Neuter Network that's picking up our stray cats once a week and spay and neutering them and, and returning them back to the neighborhoods they came from. So hopefully we're we're making a small dent into the reproduction that's going on out there. And that's you know, as you know, that's that's key. I mean, right. I heard the other day that somebody was estimating between thirty and eighty million free roaming cats in the United States and I think um Best Friends was was saying they guesstimated 70 million cats on the streets, and less than five percent of those are in managed colonies. That's a that's a huge number of cats. Yeah, it is. And but you know, you know, not to be the king of the silver lining, but what the hell? I mean, I I you know the, the perspective of being in this world for as long as I have, we didn't. The public didn't even know what the word feral meant. Let alone identifying a problem and trying to come up with solutions. If you rewind even five, ten years ago, people thought of feral cats when they saw them as being pests, as being, you know, as much as an ant invasion on, on your property. So the fact that we're sort of garnering empathy around uh, the country, the fact that we're even talking about these numbers. I think is a really positive thing. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of people throw out numbers. I mean, you know, look, we're throwing them out there. We have no idea. I mean, sure. an estimate not like there's, there's an estimate that there's 2 million in L.A. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're just really just extrapolating from from anecdotal evidence. So it's, it's not, we don't really know, but we all know there's a huge problem. And, you know, when when... Places like Dallas embrace TNR. That's a big deal. It's a big deal, not just because of the effect it will have on Dallas, but being able to demonstrate that it is an effective tool reverberates out to the rest of the country when you deal with with a focal point like Dallas. Yeah. And it, and it's sadly Dallas, like Los Angeles, is in a warmer part of the country where, you know, we're not thankfully we're not getting these twenty below degree nights, and so you know there's there's not much break between the next kitten right. season hitting. You know, we've right. we've had just this last weekend already. We've about every female cat that's coming in is pregnant. It's oh, it's boy. scary. It's going to yeah. be huge this season. Yeah. We we just about have around here. We have a a, a, if you want to call it a break, I would say between November and right about now, you know, by February, end of February, we're going to see it going crazy again around here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, but you know, not, like I said, not to make it uh, a hopeless situation. You know, as long as we have the letters TNR on everybody's lips, we will get somewhere. That's that's absolutely. It. Yeah. So tell me, what are what are some of the most common behavior issues you you're coming across these days? Do you see those changing at all? Nah, same as always. Pee <laughs> and poop, blood and guts. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's either you're peeing outside the box, pooping outside the box, uh, or aggression of of some stripe. You know, and that's that's always been the problem, and. Uh, I assume that that will continue to be, you know, um, the one thing I don't get that I wish I did get was more people adopting a cat for the first time and saying, okay, I want to know everything about this cat. And then I come into your house and teach you things. That's, yeah. that would be, that's a dream. Those are the great ones. I get those at the shelter every weekend and I just love those. Oh, those wow. are, that's those are lucky, awesome. Man. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I never, I just get nine one ones and, uh, um, but, you know, I think that that's the, the bridge for us to cross. And that, that's actually, you know, that was the impetus behind my new book. It, you know, Total Cat Mojo is as close as I'm going to get to being able to hand somebody a handbook. This is cat, you know. And, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, hopefully that just gives people a toehold that they don't have. It's it is an awesome book. I, I can't oh, thank, thank you, you enough for for giving me a copy. I I hear all the time people say you need to write a book, and I say 
you know, Jackson's already done it. Everything is already in that book. I don't oh, have anything more to, to add. Thank you, <laughs> you know? that's, that's really, that feels good. Thank you. It really is. It's, and I, I love the way it's illustrated. I, I just, I think he knocked it out of the park with that book. I, I love that book. Everybody needs to go get a copy of Total Cat Mojo. It's it's awesome. It's the best Thank thing you. out there I've, I've read on cats so far. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, I, you know, really the, the focus was because I really did not want to write another, you know, Cats for Dummies. You know, I just, I, I, I felt that it insulted cats and it insulted people, you know. And this book was really about trying to build a roadmap so that you could have a good relationship, you know, so that your life together was a happy one and, and not so much about just zeroing in on fixing problems, you know, and, and that's, I feel, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we, we, we accomplished that. So thank yeah. you for saying that. Though. And you, you sprinkle in just the right amount of history and explaining why cats do what they do and, you know, evolution. It's, I really think it's a great balance. It's, it's awesome. And that you know, that's, that's kind of what I've been trying to do too is intercept these problems before they become problems. You know, trying to right. get enough educational information out there to people um, in hopes that they'll they'll heed the information before they're calling saying, you know, my, my boyfriend's threatening to take the cat to the shelter because exactly. it won't quit peeing in his shoe. You know? Right, right. And, you know, the thing is that, that that makes it really hard for us is that, you know, we can we can work as hard as we can to get a base of knowledge at the shelter level. And I think we're doing a really good job of that. But... At this point, it's still the vast minority of cats that wind up in people's homes are coming from the shelter. They're usually just showing up stray, or they were given by a friend or a family member, um, or something like that. So we really do need to get it out there as widely as we can, because honestly, there are very simple things that if you know them ahead of time, you will really avoid a lot of the problems that you and I see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I'm I'm doing a seminar at the shelter later this month, uh, February 23rd, as a matter of fact, at three in the afternoon um, called Bad Cat to Good Cat, Stopping and Preventing Unwanted Behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping that that'll that'll get some people to come in before they have problems and, and we can get some information in their hands that will help um help them you know keep those behavior issues from happening so they don't have to call 911 to to you (laughs) and i think that you know look as as, i think as humans we tend not to you know fix the roof until there's a leak We, we tend not or at least me I mean, I'm one of those guys until my back's up against the wall. I don't do things. But right, right. Said, it's not I, broke. Know, don't fix it. Right? <laughs> yes. But then there's the other aspect of it. And, and the thing that I really and, you know, I drilled into it in the book a little bit. And, you know, the live show that I've been doing lately, it, it, it really is a big component of that is think about it in a relational term. Think about it as you are in a relationship and, and anybody who's been in a relatively successful, you know, relationship with another human knows what it takes. You know, you can't just barge your way through a relationship. You need to do the things that kind of you don't want to do. Like, listen, (laughs) like, like, listen, like participate in someone else's reality, like be like compromise with someone, like be vulnerable to another. These are things that, that, I know some people will laugh at me and say, you know, this is just a cat. Our relationship with animals deserve the gravity that we give often to our relationship with humans. And if we approach it that way, that alone is going to start dismantling this sort of problem behavior matrix that you and I see playing out over and over and over again. Yeah, so so true. I, I hate that word just when it has anything to do with relationships with cats. You got it. I, I always say you gotta walk a mile in their paws before uh-huh. you can understand what they need. <laughs> and not only that, I mean, you know, I think again, as humans, we wanna know, well, what's in it for me? 
what's in it for you to graduate from just a cat to graduate into relationship is as you and I both know it is a world that is so rewarding and so deep and and I, it changes your life completely and this is something that that I've been you know uh, what's the word just absolutely blessed to witness over and over again throughout you I mean you've seen it in my show and and you and I have both seen it in, in quote real life um, my personal experience with addicts and be, me being an alcoholic and a drug addict and and having come through the other side only because of the animals in my life and that we see played out over and over and over again so I think it's it's Absolutely. something that every human should Take a, take a closer look at the animals around them. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a short break. You'll stay with us, yes? I will. Absolutely. So we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Cat Talk Radio. We've been talking with Jackson Galaxy, the host and executive producer of My Cat from Hell. And we've been talking about cat behavior issues and all kinds of things today. And I want to ask Jackson, what are the most important things that cat guardians need to know about their feline companions, in your opinion? Well, number one, number one, bigger than any other thing, your cat is not a dog. That is the the number one problem that I see throughout all animal homes is that we look at cats through dog-colored glasses. And because of that, we see them as failures right off the bat. You know, they're not... So true. They don't interact with us like dogs. They don't... The the world doesn't revolve around us like it would with a dog. Um, And so cats are what? little sarcastic dogs cats are aloof dogs or um overly independent dogs it if you understand cats on their own terms you're in but that is the number one thing start there um cats uh, and this again you and i we talk about this a lot the you have to see cat through the lens of what i call the raw cat their ancestor the one who they resemble very closely. Mm-hmm. We, we have not messed with cats the way we have 
uh, uh, in a genetic and behavioral standpoint with dogs over the hundreds of thousands of years that we've known them. Cats have remained the same because cats, for all those years, did what we wanted them to do. They caught mice. They caught rats. They kept our food supply safe. So we didn't mess with them. Only over the past 100, 150 years have we bothered to start really, truly domesticating them. So you have what I consider to be a wild animal in your, in your home. Absolutely. And that's what, that's where we start. Not dog, not dog. Mm-hmm. I always, so I always tell people too, I don't, I, I really don't think they're quote domesticated. I think they're mildly socialized at times. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I, I think that, look, if we flash forward another hundred years from now, Cats will probably resemble dogs in a in a much more you know profound way, but as for now, uh uh-uh. uh I mean we this is why I talk about compromising with a cat. You have no choice. If you love cats and you want them in your home, you have to meet them at that that evolutionary fence, or you don't have a you don't have a prayer. You know it, it's not going to be a fulfilling relationship and they're going to be frustrated and you're going to see the problems that we see play out over and over again so that to me that's number one two and three um mm-hmm. in terms of, of getting to know your cat um the other thing that and all of my other recommendations stem from that one um i think that we tend to overlook the necessity of environmental enrichment um, I, I think we forget that cats see their territory from a 360-degree perspective. They want to be able to get up in the trees and into the bushes and every place in between. And accommodating that need prevents a lot of problems, especially in the multi-cat household, uh, in a household that has cats, dogs, kids. You know, it just cats being able to define their territory and keep it safe is a very big need of the raw cat, so that's another thing. Um, another one would be uh, a bio-appropriate diet. I, I think that, that, again, everything stems from the raw cat. And in the life of the raw cat, life is wake up, hunt, catch, kill, eat, groom, sleep, do it again. Mm-hmm. And so every little aspect, whether it's feeding them meat and, and keeping that body motoring along just as it has for hundreds of thousands of years. That's part of it. Playing with them, play therapy on a daily basis, getting out there with an interactive toy, letting your cat quote-unquote hunt and you being a part of it and wearing them out in that that absolute, you know, just raw way. You're going to have a happy cat if you do those things. I, matter of fact, I've got a question from a from a friend of mine that sent in that that this might be a good thing to to actually flip to you. I I call that hunt play sequence pray play, and um, and my friend Kim asks. We recently introduced a new baby kitty into the house with our two older cats. One of the adults, the two year old, really likes to play with the little one. Is this the same? as does it relate release the energy as prey play we don't seem to need to do as much prey play with the two-year-old as we used to so do you think that's that that playing with the young kitten helps release that same energy that prey play does i would say it's a great compliment and it definitely relieves the pressure off of you as the the human uh part of the equation that said, though, it's not structured. And so just running around tumbling and, and you know, sort of inhibited fighting, uh, you know, among the two cats, it's a great education for the kitten, for sure. And it's a great energy outlet for, for the two-year-old, but it's not enough. What you present as the, the you know, the, the presenter of, of prey through interactive toys is much more structured. It's here is something to hunt, hunt it. And it's, you know what, it's the, it's the equivalent of, you know, physical education class versus recess. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, right. It, That's a good both, analogy. They both take energy out, but one does it in a very structured way. And learning that structure is key to, to your cat. So I would say, nice try, but you're not off the hook. 
Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, too, that I think is so important with prey play is is that kill bite, of course, because, you know, they've, yeah. they've, they've discovered that that releases that serotonin in the brain. And I saw recently some, some scientific studies, autopsies were done on some highly aggressive cats that showed a serotonin deficiency in the brains. So I, I think that's that's got to be really, really powerful stuff, you know, that that's kill so bite. Cool. Yeah. And, and you know, you're certainly hoping that that adult cat's not getting that kill bite in on the kittens. <laughs> so. Exactly right. The whole, you know, the whole kill bite, the all four paw wraparound, that, that serotonin release that comes from the raw cat sort of satisfaction. That's what I'm saying is there is, you know, I, I, I liken it to having, a, you know, one of those old, phones or you know with two tin cans and a, and a string in between them and the raw cat the ancestor is speaking to your cat through their dna constantly and unless your cat fulfills that 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 prey play the hunt catch kill sequence on a daily basis they're they are literally it's like a almost like a, a behavioral vitamin deficiency it, it it's a need it's a need and um that's a great study. I, that's I, I wasn't aware of that one. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and it and it really, it really hits home the need for that prey play sequence. And you, and, you know, they they say that in the wild they're eating nine to ten small meals a day. That that shocked me when I learned that, right. and and that means they're getting nine to ten kill bites. You know, at least a, a day in while they're hunting, probably more because they're. You know, they may have more failed attempts at hunting throughout the day too, and that right. you know, six hours they're spending. So, it's it's so key that we we spend that time. And so many people think if they just you know toss out the mouse toys, you know, they'll play with themselves. I saw them over there kicking that mouse toy and chasing, and that's enough. And they just they just don't understand the the power of that interactive time and bonding too. You know, we haven't really talked about that. How that that totally bonds a cat to you. I've seen, you know, some almost feral unsocial cats become very interested and willing to build a relationship with people just because you start with the prey play. Right. And 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 I think that look, you have to understand that from a dog perspective, folks. I mean, if you have a dog, you have a leash. You have a leash and a collar and you take your dog out for a walk. Everybody does that. Everybody. If you have a cat, you have an interactive toy, and you play with them every day. It is the same need. Dogs, and same bonding need, by the way, as well. Dogs walk with you. They explore their world with you, but they need to explore that world. It's a need. For cats, they have that prey-play need, but at the same time, you controlling the tempo, you praising as you go along... That's another thing that we just think that cats don't respond because they don't respond the way dogs do. Their ears don't go up and they start panting going, yes, you just said my name. They, it's, you're still communicating. It's still, think of yourself as an intrepid socializer taking this wild animal and socializing them under your watch. It, that is the adventure that is life with a cat. It so much is. It, it, it so is. You know, I have you know, to but, ask you a question. I, okay. I, I want to get in the weeds with you here. Okay. This is something. It's because no, it's just becoming a very uh, pressing question, I think, in in our community. So, feral cats. Mm-hmm. There's a movement that we see right now where there's folks who say that every feral cat can be socialized, and thus we see people taking a lot of feral cats and fostering them, trying to socialize them. Um, where are you with that? I am personally fall on the line of uh, that we have so many cats in the shelter that are socialized, that are unwanted, that sit there for months on end, that I, I feel like we're spending too much energy and resources trying to take a truly feral cat off the streets and trying to socialize it and make it live indoors. You know, as, as you know, behavior is inherited and you know, how much, how happy is that cat really going to be indoors? Of course, it's going to live a, a longer life. But, you know, for, for everyone you want to do that, there's 10 more at the shelter that are already socialized that need a home too. 
Right. And as right. long as they're not injured or old or, you know, if, if a cat's trying to adopt you and it and it's an outdoor cat, I mean, to me, an outdoor cat and a feral cat are, are two different things. Right. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I think a feral cat is truly a, a cat that's not socialized, that has never had human, you know, relationships. Right. And I think those cats are highly adaptable and and quite frankly do just fine out there and that as long as i'd like to see them all you know in in at least mildly managed colonies where their food's being augmented when they need it at different times of the year and and you know they've got good vet care and things like that but i i would tend to say no to that one yeah how about you no i'm with you and i and i'm strongly with you i i I, for every reason that you just said and uh, i mean I think that there's a misconception out there that feral cats are all tossed away house cats that are suffering on the street. And there's many people who think that it's such a cruel way of living that we should just round them up and and euthanize them all. Um, And I, listen, I'm a feral cat advocate. I, 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 speak for them and I, a lot of other folks that I know speak for them the, for the most part they're just fine you know but like you said they need to be managed they need to be looked after if they're in pain if they're sick we need to trap them and we need to bring them into the vet mm-hmm. um, we need to take responsibility for them and love them on their terms and you know my thing is look there's a love that you can show for a, a socialized domestic cat by adopting them, bringing them in your home. There is the love that you show for a feral cat, which is show them love, give them give them the kind of shelter they need. You know, building a, a feral cat house is a very easy thing to do. In in places where we have uh, cold weather, it's a necessity so they don't freeze to death out there. But that's what we do: meet them on their side of the fence instead of trying to turn them into. Who they're not. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I really, it just, it, it really, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to shout me out about this, but I, I, I think it's just not fair to them. It's trying to, it's trying to make ourselves feel better about something, and it's not taking into consideration who they are. And um, you know, I have a very dear, close, feral cat friend who, you know, we have some that are semi-feral and they live in our catio because, you know, they're they're compromised physically or, you know, that they're social enough, you know. There's one guy who uh, I adore and I I want him in my house so badly. And mm-hmm. I, and we've, we've done it before, taken him, brought him in the house, and the second you close that door, he turns into a wild, uncaged beast. And he will scratch your eyes out and his own eyes out to get back outside. Once he's out, he lives on my porch for the most part. We spend time together every night. But that's it's it's Eddie's rules, man, and and we got to play by them. So I know it's a very that's, long explanation, uh, but yeah. Well, and as, as you know, that's I mean that's so key to cats and environmental enrichment choice and control. As soon as you start trapping them in and making them feel like they don't have choices any longer as they do when they feel when they get in a shelter and a in a kennel they've been stripped of all their choices that's that's just detrimental to a cat's a cat's being so that's that's good um we're going to go on another quick break um before we do I'd, i'd like to tell you about a friend of mine brian edwards he has a company called brian edwards wealth management and he actually has some products with guaranteed lifetime income, which has really helped me to prepare for taking care of Tabasco now that he's 14 and entering his geriatric years. And, and sadly, as we all look at those, those vet bills coming up that, uh, that happened to all of us in those geriatric ages, I, I count on Brian to, to make that easier for me. So thanks to Brian and you can find him at brianedwardswealthmanagement.com we're going to go on break now and when we come back more with our friend Jackson Galaxy because the cat daddy's in the house we'll be right back (laughs) 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Cat Talk Radio. We have the privilege of having Jackson Galaxy from My Cat from Hell with us today. And we've been talking all about cats, indoor cats, outdoor cats, shelter cats, all things cats. And I want to circle back to something you said about feeding cats and how important of a role that plays in, uh, in, in how they feel and how their behavior is. Nutrition is, is key. So Jackson, what do you feed your cats? Well, I mean, you know, starting from, first of all, being obligate carnivores, we know that they need to be fed meat and really ideally not much else. Um, I, I subscribe to the 90-10. So that's 90% meat, which of course, encompasses, you know, organ, bone, muscle, the whole nine yards, and then 10% of what they would find in their prey's tummy. So basically, you know, greens and um, other other leafy products, um, and that's it. Um, now that's ideal, and I do feed a raw diet to many of my cats. There are some that won't eat it, um, and some that are old enough and in, in, you know, that place where if they, I just need them to eat. So I will feed them a wet diet. I try to keep it grain free and that's, that's about it. So there's, you know, different brands and different, you know, but, but the bottom line is this, I, I don't feed my cats dry food. I don't think Good. anybody should feed their cats dry food. Amen. Um, it's, it is, uh, actually, very unhealthy for them and I think you know uh, folks are given bogus information about anything from the fact that it cleans their teeth to that it, it actually is a healthy source of meat um, all of that is nonsense and I would just tell you I would rather feed my cat the worst dry food on uh, the worst wet food on the market than the best dry food so absolutely you know I don't care I don't care at the end of the day even if it has byproducts in it, which I would hope not, but even if it does, I'd rather give them that wet food than than dry. Um, and, yeah. and that's been an uphill battle. I think that, you know, when I announce that to an audience of hundreds of people, <clears throat> you can feel the wind being, you know, sucked out of the room when, when you say that, you know. And uh, that's... You know, it's just something that, that they're used to doing. They're used to feeding dry and they're used to free feeding. And that is both of those things I, I find to be a huge problem. Um, free feeding 
you know, as you know, Molly, when we try to remedy problem behaviors in someone's house, you know, if your cat's not hungry, good luck. You know, if you're trying to adjust behavior, good luck if your cat isn't motivated by food, which, of course, they're not if there's food available to them 24-7. Exactly. So, you know, mealtime, no dry. Let's start there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I tell that to clients all the time. Um, and, and do you cook for your cats? Have you ever done the, the a homemade meal? Well, you know, back in the day, I did, um, I, and it was just a lot of work. And Isn't it? You know, like I, my life and my wife's life are are insanely busy, and fortunately for all of us, I think there are some amazing companies out there that make raw diets that um, are complete, and they come frozen. And, you know, when it comes to cooking at this point, the most I'll do is I will warm up that food. Um, I, I think another mistake people do when they try to adjust their cats to a raw diet is they just go from a regular canned diet uh, right to the raw. And unless that food is around body temperature of their prey, it's going to be kind of tough. So refrigerated food is, is going to be rejected much more often. Um, so what I'll do is I'll put it in a pan, get it to about 100 degrees, which is about body temperature, just releasing that scent and, and you know, making it more palatable to them. And that usually does the trick. Yeah. I can remember about 25 years ago before the commercial pet food market had, had started making raw foods, you know, reliable quality raw foods. I had a, a five pound log of ground rabbit shipped in frozen yeah. and, and would add the egg yolk and psyllium husk and B12 and fish oil and all the great stuff. Right and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the job. I'd pack it in little containers and freeze yeah. it. And I'm so glad they've commercialized that. <laughs> Me too. I mean, it was, it was like, it was the, it was the nightmare Sunday. Like there was like once yeah. every, every 10 days, you had your nightmare Sunday where you'd have to sit there and just up to your elbows and, and the nastiest stuff in the world, man. So, yeah, I mean, I and uh, honestly, they've made it so easy for us to make that switch right now. There's no excuse to, to at least not trying it. Yeah. You know, I, I learned something. for all you guys out there who think, sorry, if, you know, if you think uh-huh. that raw food is too expensive, I can't afford to feed my cats this kind of food you got to subscribe to the pay me now or pay me later thing because honestly, we see a tremendous, we have seen an outrageous rise in diabetes and feline cancer. Now with diabetes, we can absolutely draw that straight line between feeding our cats crap and them getting overweight and getting diabetes. That's one thing. Cancer though, you just got to think with all the crap that, that's potentially in food these days, being able to control what's going into their body is a big thing. And so knowing that you can get a food that is literally just meat, and we're not talking byproducts, but just meat and just, you know, uh, the greens or, uh, you know, and just like you're saying, psyllium husk, B12, taurine, it, it, it is a big deal to be able to control that intake. And for the extra couple bucks, you know, you're not yep. going to be in the position so many of us are in right now, dealing with, with the rampant rise in cancer. You'll definitely save that in vet bills later. Oh, yeah. You know, I learned I learned so many things from your book, but one of the one of the cool things I learned that relates to this is is about the invention of dry food and the meat shortage in the United States. Right. That right. I, it, it, it was back in World War II where, and this is specifically about the rise in fish in cats' diets where we uh, meat was being rationed during the war. So, you know, the, the, the tinned food that was being made, of course it was being made with, with beef, chicken, and that kind of thing. Well, they couldn't do it. So the food manufacturers said, well, what are we going to do? Well, throw some fish in there. And, and now you fast forward that a generation later, and we think of fish as being an integral part of a cat's diet. And it's not at all, like it's not even almost. Fish is actually an unnatural part of a cat's diet. And um, there have been uh, links from eating too much fish uh, to things, especially in in male cats, urinary tract disease and that kind of a thing. So it um, it is funny 
that mm-hmm. we, we just insinuated certain things into their diets and said, well, this is what they're supposed to eat. Yeah, that's it's, and I always wondered if they did that, you know, back when the, the Nordics started taking them back, if that's, right, if they right. if they started liking fish on the ships or something, because it yeah. certainly isn't a natural prey in their, their native environments. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, I think there's two breeds of cat that have historically evolved that swim at all. Um, I think it's a Turkish band is one of them, and I think it, the main coon were, were just two cats who actually were okay in the water. Other than that, you know, Cats don't go fishing. Yeah, I want to. I want you to to tell people too about. Um, you, you know, a lot of people think cats can't be trained, and and being a, a trainer mentor for you in your in your nonprofit, I want you to tell everybody about the work that we're doing with yeah. Greater Good. Well, I'm very very excited to have you on board. By the way, Molly, um, we uh, the Jackson Galaxy Project uh, has been in existence for uh, a number of years, but we just uh, about a year and a half ago uh, merged with GreaterGood.org. And if you don't know Greater Good, you really should because they what they do for not just animals but humans around the globe is just staggering. Um, so it's been an amazing partnership, and and you know with partnering with Greater Good. I have the funds available to take programs of mine and just blow them up. And one of them is called Cat Positive. And with the Cat Positive program, we are um, getting trainers into uh, into shelters all over the country and repairing the notion that cats can't be trained and using clicker training to enrich cats' lives while they're in the shelter, keep that mind-body connection going, that bond stronger, making them more adoptable because cats who do little dumb tricks sometimes go home real fast. And it also helps um, to up the level of retention once they're in homes because people get these cats with a built-in sort of you know, ritualized mechanism into their day that they can just pick up and do. And it's an amazing we have seen incredible results, um, and the the program is growing, and we have a, a network of trainer mentors like you in, in different shelters around the country, and I'm, I am so tickled about how it's grown, and uh, um, and you guys will see it because uh, we, because, you know, giving a high five has become such a sort of a central thing that everybody is teaching their cats and so there's national high five day coming up and uh, uh, we are going to have a, a big sort of awareness campaign around training cats and uh, it's yeah it's it's been it's been an incredible blessing it has and it and it's such a great way too to get I think volunteers and shelters engaged with cats that they normally wouldn't interact with you know when and, you and at least in, interacting with them in a constructive way because, yes. I, I, you know, we, we usually don't put our volunteers to the test and say, no, 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 it, it, we can't just walk in and do what I call the pet, pet, brush, brush. We can't just brush them and pet them because if we do that, we're actually overstimulating them to the point where when a potential adopter comes in, they may get bit. This way we are draining energy out of the cat instead of putting more energy into them. In, in an institutionalized setting, it is just crucial that we keep these guys on an energetic baseline that keeps them happier, healthier, and more adoptable. Yeah, and 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 I think it goes so far in in instilling that choice and control back in that cat that they've been stripped of, you know, once they're they're now locked in a kennel and and don't have choices any longer. They get the choice to point. you know, yeah. and and point. it. It just gets their confidence back up, and and I mean, as we've all seen, it can totally transform a cat, and and great for you to try at home. So, if if you haven't tried clicker training your cats, do it. It's it's fun and it's amazing, and your cat will benefit, and you'll benefit, and you'll amaze your dinner friends. So yeah. you should do that. And remember one thing, folks: if if you free feed your cat, you will never be able to train them. Stick to meals. Put meals down. Pick it up after a certain amount of time. Don't worry, your cats are not going to starve in between meals. Feed them three meals a day, you know, if you're feeling bad about it. But make sure that when you're doing your clicker training, it's before a meal. Otherwise, good luck. Yeah. I, speaking of, of 
numbers of times you feed. I feed mine four to five times a day. How, how frequently do you feed? We do it three times a day, um, mainly because trying to organize four or five, I mean, all the power to you. But, but, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard for us. But um, especially, you know, it, it is tough. You know, we've got seven, and they range uh, anywhere from seven months to 15 years at this point. So it's it's really tough to get everyone on a, on a schedule where you can actually pick it up, put it down four or five times a day. So yeah. um, for us, it's three. But, uh, you know, it's, it's to us, it is a guarantee that we can coordinate the sort of household circadian rhythm to a place where everybody's happy. You know, I mean, for all those people out there who complain to me that your cat's waking you up at three o'clock in the morning, that's where it begins. Getting everyone into what I call the three R's which is a routine ritual rhythm. You get everyone into a group rhythm and you solve a lot of problems before they start. Yeah, so, so, so true. We've got just about another minute left. Do you have a parting thought you'd like to share with everyone? You know, I, I think we've covered so much great stuff, Molly, and thank you for giving me the airtime to do it. I, I just want everyone to know that we are at a tipping point in terms of the way that we can care for not just our cats, but all cats. And everybody, no matter how small the thing that you do, every something saves somebody. So do the thing that that you've thought about, whether it's volunteering, fostering, donating, getting versed in TNR, transporting. There are so many things that you can do. And the millions of cats that Molly and I are talking about, these guys, these lives can be saved. But we got to step up, and this is that time to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good message. Thank you so much for being with us today and, and sharing your time. We're, we're blessed to have your knowledge and, and your talents, and keep calm and purr on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Molly. It's, it's great to be with you as always. Absolutely. Thanks, Jackson. All right. Join us again next week for Cat Talk Radio. You can find us on Facebook at Cat Behavior Solutions and on Twitter at Molly DeVos. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.